Hey, brewery lovers. Welcome back to Brew Daddies. I'm Richard. I'm here with my good friend, Adam. Hey, everyone. Happy birthday, Adam. Oh, thank you. Today, we are in Silver Spring, Maryland at Astrolab Brewing. We are here with Emma Whelan and Matt Cronin. Cheers. Cheers. The uh, founders, co-owners, head brewer, Matt, you're the head brewer? Yep. Yep. So these guys know everything there is to know about Astrolab. Astrolab is now the second brewery to open in Silver Spring. Denizens, of course, we've had on the show before and we've talked about them. We've actually talked about Silver Branch, which is a new brewery being built right now. Uh, not yet open. Uh, so given that Adam and I just live down the street from here, we're really excited to have all these breweries in town. So first of all, why don't you guys both introduce yourselves? Emma, let's start with you. Tell us how you got involved in the idea even of opening a brewery. Okay, um, Emma Whelan, I'm one of the co-founders here at Astro Lab Brewing. Um, and I got into the idea of opening a brewery after kind of after I met Matt. We we both have a love of like craft beer, all things craft, artisan foods. Um, and just one January after a few beers and well, a few more than I'm admitting, <laughs> um, we decided to open Astrolab. We we were both at sort of crossroads in our in our careers at the time, and Matt had been wanting to open a brewery for a while. I love love his beer and I was looking for the next new adventure so that's when was that that was January 2016 so we're almost we were two years and three quarters before we actually opened the doors and shared that vision with other people right Matt why don't you give us roughly the same thing how did you get involved I think obviously you were a home brewer but but tell us the story yeah so I mean I guess Emma sort of gives you the uh, the basis of how Astrolab came about. Uh, prior to that, my background was as a home brewer. So it started when I was 16 back in New Zealand. Um, just found my mate's father's home brew kit and, you know, we got into it. And, you know, the beer wasn't necessarily good, but it was potent and kind of did the job when you, uh, your taste buds, uh, them, you know, you know, the most effective. Um, but, you know, kind of graduated on from there onto some more sophisticated styles. And um, when I moved to the States, uh, kind of just kept brewing on a, you know, just a personal level at home. Um, moved to Maryland, entered a few competitions and was fortunate enough to have those beers made uh, professionally uh, by uh, some breweries locally and distributed, uh, which kind of, you know, pushed, uh, you know, the confidence along. And uh, so I went and did brew school in Chicago at Siebel and nice. uh, then sort of worked more on a pro-am and under the mentorship of Eric Gleason, um, who's a good friend and mentor up at uh, Barley and Hops. Uh, so I was able to kind of get used to the 15-barrel brew house and uh, sort of like the ins and outs of working on a larger system. How did you choose the locations, both Silver Spring and... The actual building itself. I mean, was there something? Is it because you live in the area, or did you really want to open it in Silver Spring? Um, well, we both do live in Silver Spring and both love the community here. I think we were look. We were really looking. Our strategy was to be an urban tap room, so we were not looking for a space in a in an industrial estate in at the edge of town. We wanted to be more walkable, more uh, you know accessible to 
to the whole community rather than those people that can only drive. Um, we love the diversity in Silver Spring and the fact that there are so many like different groups of people. Um, it's it's right on the edge of DC and it, it just it just has everything we wanted for for being that urban all inclusive um, brew space. And then the building we looked at several different locations and you know got serious about a couple of them that looking back now we probably would have not had the space that we do here like what we we were looking in the silver spring area uh, we would have ventured out if necessary but silver spring was our our choice and um we we once we we saw this location we knew it was the perfect spot it's got it, it was it's almost like two buildings cobbled together at some point by um Jack when he built the house you know it's um but it, it's it, it's essentially a retail space attached to a warehouse space at the back so um with a bit of magic performed by our architect and the construction um company that that actually fitted the space out it's become what you see now great well it's a lovely space the um, bar area is great I mean a nice long bar were the garage doors there or did you decide to put those in? Um, we decided to put the garage doors there. Initially, when we looked at the space, we were thinking about putting a roof deck on it. And just because of the engineering of the building and how old it is, and which is part of why we love it, um, we that wasn't possible. So we looked over the plans and redesigned it to have more of the indoor-outdoor feel that that we really want especially with it being walkable and being part of the, you know the community um with that's why we added the, the garage doors it kind of opens everything up for us um and then just we also like everything you see in here the tap rooms designed so that everything is transparent and you can see right from the street into the brewery and see what the production um you know the production back here and the, the tap room and um, it's all about showcasing the beer. So very quickly, what, what Adam was asking about is the tap room here at Astrolab is essentially two of the four walls are all glass pretty much and have large garage doors that, that roll up um, so that it can be essentially a, almost a beer garden when the weather's nice, which is not right now. <laughs> um, uh, and then there's a patio outside in the front. Uh, again, when the weather's nice, that becomes part of the space. And then there's another glass sliding door between the tap room and the brewery. So that can be open if everybody's running back and forth, or it can be closed if, if need be. But, you, but it's totally glass, so you can see right through it. So it's really a nice space. And like you said, I mean, being able to see all the way into the brewery from the street is really, really interesting. What surprised you most about opening the brewery? Either something that you thought would be really difficult that went easy or something that just became super difficult in the process? I mean, it's kind of like climbing a mountain, right? You, you think you reach the top and uh, there's always another peak to climb. So, yeah, for me personally, uh, building this cooler behind us uh, was like one of those moments where the project just seemed to go on. Like the building the exterior of it wasn't so difficult. It was actually more the interior aspects of it. And uh, we actually have an interior brick wall, which we had to insulate. Um, and doing that in the middle of summer, uh, a uh, very humid Maryland summer, 
with no AC, roughly, you know, 100 degrees insulated inside, you know, that was definitely uh, a bit of a challenge and it was nice to knock that off. In terms of like, just really, it's just paperwork and like, you know, being really on top of that. And, you know, I had to manage some of it, but uh, definitely Emma took the lion's share there. And, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, I guess supporting each other through those moments and uh, we managed to get through and, uh, you know, after you have that success, it kind of feels like nothing and you're kind of on to the next project. So I think sometimes taking a little bit of a moment to reflect where you've been kind of helps where we're going. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few of them anyway. Emma? I think for me it was more how long everything took so We've just explained we sat down in January 2016 and both thought we'd be working in a brewery full time by the end of the year. And there we were in 2018, actually finally getting a paycheck. <laughs> um, so it, it it's just the, the, you know, you have your vision and your plan, but everything takes twice as long as you ever thought it would whether that be paperwork or, you know, it was finding the space took us longer than we thought getting to where we were signing the lease, having architects work on the building. And then towards the end, it just felt like we were never going to get there. But as Matt said, here we are and we've been open. I, I don't even know how long now, but we're all we're in nearly the next phase already. Yeah, nearly a month. So. Can you tell us a little bit about the brew house, how it's set up? Yeah, sure. So uh, we went with ABS out of North Carolina. Um, essentially, it's a 15-barrel uh, brew house uh, with salad uh, like fermenters um, but specifically uh, we upsized our mash tun to a 20 barrel mash tun to allow us to go a little bit higher gravity uh, with uh, supporting uh, 30 barrel cold and hot liquor tanks so if we're fortunate enough we can uh, double brew on days that we want to increase our production from there on our cold side our cellar we've got uh, five 15 barrel fermenters and one 15-barrel bright. Um, uh, and we've kind of built around the possibility if we have the opportunity to expand, we could add a couple more fermenters if need be. So in total, this space, the way it's designed, can carry all of those five 15-barrel fermenters, can become 30-barrel fermenters, and then we have a row for another six 30-barrel fermenters. So a good chunk of beer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask if there was room for expansion, but that answered the question. Yeah, yeah, and like the space is, you know, it's very workable at the moment. If we do expand, obviously we'll make areas tight. Um, so, you know, there's always going to be a trade-off there. Um, but um, we've all seen breweries uh, work in very tight zones and be successful at it. So, like part of what we're doing now is kind of getting to know our brew system and, you know, our space better. Um, it's early days for us. We've only brewed you know, eight or nine beers so far on the system and we're pretty happy where they've come out um, and we're always looking for that gradual improvement and innovation and, you know, just being the best that we can and representing that in our beer. And speaking of your beer, do you have a particular brewing philosophy or style that you lean towards? Yeah, I mean, uh, everybody wants great-tasting beer. Like Emma and I are no different and... Uh, you know, we like that's the kind of beer that we want to put out. 
terms of philosophy, we're always looking to innovate and we'll be looking at modern methods and we'll try them out. You know, I think that's the beauty of a craft brewery, especially in a uh, community such as Silver Spring and, you know, really educating ourselves, but also our uh, customers, our, our beer drinkers outside, you know, in the tap room. Um, so they can try the techniques and, you know, they can start learning as much a lot, much of the process as we are. Um, and through that process, we can integrate some of the successes into, uh, you know, some other project. And uh, like the sum of all parts can turn out to be a great innovative beer that, you know, might roll out more often. Um, so I think that's the beauty of a system built like this that we can af uh, afford to. Like we're not doing massive batches, but the tap room seems to enjoy it and like innovation um, and just putting a modern twist on some classic styles is, uh, you know, seems to be well receptive uh, within the uh, the beer drinking community. And you can kind of already see that education piece in the eight beers or nine beers that we've already brewed in, in that, you know, Matt's been very focused on switching up hops and flavours so that we can talk to people our beer drinkers here in the tap room about well what's making that beer taste different from the last one and you know it's usually the the blend of hops or the the technique that that Matt used here in in the back and it gives the you know the bartenders are very keen to learn more and then that passes over to to the customer but um yeah I think everything that Matt said and you I we always like to describe the beers as hop forward but very balanced we have a lot of people come in in the last few weeks who uh, say oh you know I don't really like IPAs and our, our answer to that is well you've never tried our IPAs try them and in general like oh actually I quite like that because you know Matt, Matt does make make beers that are really well balanced and you're never going to get that like really intense bitter hop flavor at the end um, and also I'd like to say he likes to brew beers that he likes to drink <laughs> and he likes to drink good beers. So hopefully we, we continue on that trajectory. Well, I have to say I have the out of the world beer in front of me. It's very tasty. Yeah. And I think you're, you're right. It's very balanced, um, not too bitter, but it's got a great hop flavor mm -hmm. and great hop aroma as well. Yeah. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah, so that, that particular beer was, um, you know, just you know, a lot of these modern processes where you're whirlpooling your hops. Uh, so no hops were technically in the boil, uh, which generally you'd, uh, traditionally you'd have a bittering hop in the boil, a flavor hop, and then an aromatic hop. So these are really at a time where you'd add your, I guess, technic under the old way of brewing would be an aromatic hop. So it's added during whirlpool. So we added uh, all our kettle hops at whirlpool. Uh, so Simcoe and Centennial, and then we did the same combination in our dry hop. Uh, and, it, you know, we had a nice base to it, you know, a nice solid American two-row, a touch of caramel, uh, a little bit of carapils for head retention, a uh, bit of wheat uh, for mouthfeel. And, you know, we're pretty happy with the way it came out. So I think, you know, it's definitely a method that we employ throughout our beers, but just to kind of see how it's showcased on its own, you can sort of break it down. And when you taste another beer, you can sort of see, okay, the composition of parts. So it's like taking uh, almost parts of Frankenstein, reconstructing it and, you know, creating something new again. 
So it's, it's definitely fun to play with. And uh, even throughout our whole staff, you know, everybody enjoys tasting, like uh, doing taste analysis out of our fermenters. So we do regular QC uh, with them. And, you know, so they understand the evolution of the fermentation process through to the finished product in the tap room. Well, that's very cool. It's really great going into a brewery and having the people who are serving the beer who know so much about it. Yeah. I think it makes for a better experience. Yeah. I mean, these are kind of like our children, you know, you watch them grow up and, uh, you know, our uh Bear tenders have the same philosophy. You know, they love their jobs. They're great at it and uh, they're all part of it. So, you know, the more that, you know, people understand, I think it's better for the bear consumer so we, they can translate that story uh, through to them. Now, I know you've only been open for about a month, mm-hmm. but either before you opened or after, what's the um, most experimental or interesting beer? that you've brewed and did it work? Did it work? Well, <laughs> so far the bears have worked, um, though I, I guess, I mean, it's, I, I, I think all the bears have been interesting because we've been learning new systems. So every, like the first few brew days, things always go wrong. Um, and that's, I guess, interesting. Um <laughs> Having to sometimes think on the fly, readjust your recipe, maybe do some uh, water chemistry adjustments, modify your hop ratio due to, you know, a solenoid not closing on your mash tun. So, you know, one instance, you know, it keeps sending heat to the mash tun when, you know, it was supposed to be closed. Uh, so you're getting a spike in temperature. So that's not ideal, but, like, that's brewing, you know. Uh, the art of a brewer is to, you know, you know, analyze the problem and like execute as effectively as possible. And, you know, that was, I guess, one of the joys of that is, uh, especially on the Alfie, uh, which is named after Emma's grandfather. Um, we ran into that issue. We did our best to kind of, uh, guesstimate, I guess, is the best, uh, guesstimate, uh, like our solution and the solution worked. And it's, I guess it just came down to us trusting our instincts and, you know, rolling with it and, like, staying close to process, and uh, it worked out. So, yeah, that was, we're pretty stoked with that. I think some of, the th- some of the things that I've been excited about and, and we haven't released any yet is Matt's um, experimenting with some bottle-conditioned beers, and we've been tasting those along the way, so having some breath to his saison or an apricot saison that he made um and they're they're starting to really you know become the beers that we might want to sell in the future so i'm kind of enjoying him expanding his current repertoire and and trying some new things that he you know he may not necessarily be ready to release to 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 the public but um i'm sure it won't be too long until until he will be going a little bit back just to the brewery as a whole how did you come up with the name astrolab brewing so i get astro an astro we started off with the device so an astrolab is an ancient um navigational device it predates the sexton at the time it was very innovative 
and it's really handcrafted so it kind of fits in with our our you know craft and innovation piece of our you know of the Astro Lab brand and company um it also signifies journeys for us and beer is a journey and has journeyed for many centuries um and everyone goes through their own journey with beer you know you start off with the light beer that's in you know in the family cooler and then eventually like we have a lot of people that get here and and they've gone through the whole craft beer journey and they know a lot more um and then finally it's also a reef close to where matt grew up as a kid and, and he swam and fished in the reef um we modernized the name slightly it's spelled as americans pronounce it astrolabe um we wanted to do the modern innovative twist to the name and we um we kind of dropped the e and made it two words so that's essentially in a nutshell where the astrolab come comes from but overall it's supposed to signif- signify innovation craftsmanship or craftspersonship um <laughs> and just the journey and moving forward and always moving forward to the next yeah. you know better place and, and to add to that you know um both Emma and I are from port cities so Emma's from Liverpool and myself from Tauranga in New Zealand um Liverpool England um so uh you know the Astrolab you know it represents as a navigational tool it's part of Emma and my journey and uh you know hopefully we can transact transcend that into our beer and you know it becomes something that um represents uh what we do here on the same vein how do you come up with the names for the individual beers is there a process for that? <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, uh, what are we going to call this beer? Um, <laughs> so I don't know. And so well, we have like a quick 20-minute brainstorm. So that sounds good. Do that. Um, we have a few names. There is a like. little more thought process goes <laughs> yeah. into it. Um, so I need another beer. <laughs> it, is, it, is, <laughs> it is a little like that. But we did, you know, we, we went through the head-scratching couple of days before we opened. Like, what are we going to call these beers? And, yeah, and all... We're a little brain dead by that stage. We're yeah, so exhausted we just getting things tired. up and running. That was where we said to ourselves, well, we should have thought about this way in advance. But also Matt likes to taste the beer and taste the character of the beer and see where it's at before he actually wants to like commit to a name. Um, but when we when we did pick the names, they they either represent something to do with the astro lab and what it what it's about or something related to our journey to get here so again pulling in pulling in the journey so for instance um birthday wahini is the name matt gave to a pale ale that he brewed for his now wife's birthday um and that's part of his journey and how he got here so it was the name for the first pale ale in the tap room um, wahini it means girl or woman um, in Maori so it's basically the birthday girl beer so that's kind of nice it ties in some family and you know part of his history and as he said the Alfie beer is named after my grandfather because he was a very strong character small very small in stature but strong in in, in opinion and um, he was he was a redhead so Matt pointed out that the the stout has some um, copper flecks in it, and we figured that would be a good a good name for for the um, for the stout. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs>
that's kind of where we, we, we try and aim to either, you know, time with the brand or as part of the journey and hopefully at some point we'll come up with some pithy name for a silver spring beer along the way <laughs> in terms of distribution now or in the future do you have plans to sell your beer outside of the brewery we do we we that is part of our strategy as we grow uh, our focus right now is the tap room and we really didn't want to push ourselves you know to super stress levels trying to do everything straight away um it translate into matt's beers if he was stressed and and we just wanted to have put our best forward foot forward in the tap room so we've been gauging our volume the volume of beers that we actually need to service customers there before we go into distribution we are talking to some um very local um accounts right now about the prospect of of distributing in the very near future but we'll we'll essentially make sure that our customers here are happy before we send out beer and run out here in the tap room um so yeah watch this space but um we'll we'll be doing that soon and when we're ready great and so people know right now they do serve pints in the in the tap room, they also have samplers, and you can get a growler fill, and you have a crowler machine too, correct? Yeah, we actually, um, we do do crowlers, 32-ounce crowlers. We don't fill growlers in the tap okay. room. Um, we, it, it's a very, it's a very individual decision on our part. We're, we're very, very conscious of the quality of our beer. It's very important to us, um, and we don't have a, a sanitation method for for growlers in in the tap room itself so we want to make sure that people go home with a beer that is drinkable the next day um and we understand a lot of people keep their growlers very very clean but we just kind of don't want to take that risk and the crowler is 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 a way for us to control the quality of the beer that goes out we you know we heavily co2 um, we sanies purge with co2 sometimes we double purge with co2 we fill it and you know it's 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 fresh when it gets to the customer. So, excellent. Well, I know we've really enjoyed crowlers. When we've been able to get them. Yeah, I prefer crowlers to growlers most yeah. of the time for the very reason. I mean, I keep my growlers clean. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I have to, you know, sixty-four ounces is a lot to drink mm -hmm. if it's just me, or if I want. My wife doesn't drink IPAs, for example. She doesn't like a bitter beer, but I do. <laughs> so, so big, being able to get a thirty-two ounce, which you know is an evening for me of getting home from work and having yeah. drinking a crowler over the course of the evening is, is perfect. So I was very excited to see that you guys had that. Yeah. And some of that kind of like, I'm sure all of us here have got crowd, uh, yeah, growler co collections at home. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I've probably got like 10 sitting there. It's like, oh, what am I like? I just don't, you know, for me, when I visit a brewery, you know, and I'm not all, I don't need another, uh, growler, you know? So, you know, if they had a crowler, great, you know, then I'm just not adding to the collection. And it just, it becomes, you know, there's only so much my wife can take, you know. <laughs> I mean, she loves drinking beer, but it's like, oh my God, not another, you yeah. know, not another growler. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, along with the um, the qualities that Emma mentioned, you know, just that aspect alone, you know, for myself, um, I think, you know, that, that that's a lot, weighs a lot for us. And, you know, we've had people come and they turn up with their 
the growling. growling and we have we had a lot of phone calls and we still do um but I, after we explain the reason behind our decision i, I want to say 95 percent of people are like oh great well that's cool i'll be in later for a crowler you know right so you know because you're an urban tap room because you are really focused on sort of being walkable and neighborhood friendly um, I assume that you guys are either are already having or planning on having sort of events, uh, special nights, things like that. Do, do you have plans to, to do stuff like that? We will. We've, uh, as we said earlier, we've been focusing on just getting open and getting everything up and running um, in the last few weeks. But we do have some ideas for adding some, you know, midweek events and weekend events and possibly, you know, some sort of beer festivals along the way. Um, we've just been finding our feet and uh, making things work the way they're supposed to work initially. Um, but we, we, we definitely have a few ideas knocking around for, for some fun and interesting things that we can, we can do in the tap room to, mix things up and hopefully some beer centric um beer centric activities too excellent you know i mentioned at the beginning of the show that there are that, that there you're the second brewery to open in silver spring uh there's a third one that should be open i think in the next couple of months how do you guys communicate with the folks at denizens and silver branch at all are you, you yeah know? for sure oh for sure yeah, yeah. we definitely yeah. there are our beer buddies um yeah we've we you know we've collaborated with both breweries we did a collaboration beer in the summer matt and jeff from denizens are, are good friends and yeah like, i mean if i'm short of something you know jeff is always willing to pick up the phone and you know i need a little bit of this you know something of that you know he's he's always willing to help out so you know they've been good friends and neighbors to us and you know um you know, and being very supportive. And so we, all, you know, we all turn to each other if we need advice or help. So, you know, we've had some calls in the last few weeks from the guys over at Silver Branch, and and they've been in a lot. And actually, one of um, the owners over there, his his girlfriend, is a, one of our bartenders. <laughs> oh, wow. So we 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 you know if you. I think the the idea is if if we want to get on, we're gonna we have to make it happen, and we're gonna get on. But I I mean we think it's an awesome thing that there's gonna be three breweries in Silver Spring because there's nowhere else in the DMV that you can jump on the metro and get off and spend the day just visiting breweries within yeah. a mile of each other. Yeah. Um, and there's there's so many possibilities for just really promoting the craft beer scene when there's three you know, three collective, you know, brand heads coming together to, to make that happen. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. I think it's really going to put Silver Spring on the, on the craft beer map. And Excellent. My, my, big, my big wish and my dream is to have a beer mug on the um, Silver Spring stop for the red line on the Metro oh, map. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Would so be if anyone out yes. there ha- can make that happen and it's not going to cost us a million dollars, then please be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, well, I know we're looking forward to being able to take the bus down here and just take a day and go to all the breweries. Yeah, absolutely. It's so yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> and, it, you know, and you guys have just said you live in this area, but I think the beauty of it is is that we're really going to get some good beer tourism to, right. to Montgomery County, Maryland, and to the Silver Spring area in general. And I think people will come and they'll, 
visit three breweries and then they may go and eat Greek food or Ethiopian food or whatever at some of these local restaurants that we're surrounded by. Right. I agree. I think it is. I think particularly it, the, the idea of Silver Spring, I think more so than the rest of Montgomery County, which there's a lot of great breweries in Montgomery County, yeah. but for they're, sure that are a lot they're of really hard breweries. to get to unless you're willing to drive or, or, or spend the money on a cab or lift or something. But for three breweries in Silver Spring, anyone in D.C. can just hop on the red line, get off, hit Silver Branch, hit Astro Lab, hit Denizens, and then then just get, go right back downtown. It's fantastic. It's really a, a focal point. Is there uh, any any beer you're looking at brewing next to bring into the brewery? Kind of get a little sneak peek. Yeah, so, I mean, in the tanks, we're conditioning right now a couple of IPAs, uh, double IPA. Uh, then we'll be moving into our... Uh, Every year we do a Christmas beer. So Emma and I have been working on the Christmas beer for a few years and it's always been a hit. Um, so I'll be brewing that next week. So that should hopefully release about two weeks before Christmas, all things going well. Um, yeah, I'm then, super excited about the, we'll call it our winter beer. So we yeah, can, um, And then I think early next year we'll be using some of the uh, current uh, New Zealand harvest um, hops, so all the latest stuff out of New Zealand and some of our batches. Uh, we've been holding on to it uh, until we get a, a thorough understanding of our brew system. Um, but we've got like uh, some pretty good 2018 Nelsons um, and uh, Rewaka. Uh, so, yeah, pretty excited about using those and I can't wait, but I've been having to sort of hold back um, a little bit. Himself. Yeah, so I've been kind of using, you know, hops that you know i'm comfortable with i'm trying not to burn the gold too early um but we're looking forward to sort of like sprinkling those um out uh during the course of like late this year maybe going into the early part of next and certainly into uh, the summer season yeah, i'm surprised he's been so restrained actually yeah. using those hops when we had to have a conversation on the test batch no you can't use the good new zealand hops <laughs> <on that. laughs> Yeah, yeah, the test batch was literally just a, um, it was for us to really understand uh, the efficiencies of the system and the hops that we use, we just leftover homebrew hops. Oh, wow. Uh, so, you know, a few pounds of this, a few pounds of that, but it actually tastes, tastes all right, you know. We, we didn't serve it or anything. Uh, the construction was, team were very happy with their yeah. end of shift beers, <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah, it's just a, it was a good way to test process, though, and uh, yeah, it worked out. Either of you have anything you want to add? No, um, you know, well, thanks for coming down and welcome to Astrolab. And, uh, you know, we, we look forward to um, having your listeners here and, you know, sharing a pint and, you know, being part of our journey. And, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, they have a good time. And we also have a food option. So if you are a bit peckish, we have some pies, uh, which is a sort of something native to uh, both Emma and my homeland. So we brought that with us. Uh, so it's a meat pie which is similar to a pot pie, uh, just it can be handheld, so you can have a pie in the pint. So basically it's kind of like double fisting, but you're eating in one hand and <laughs> I guess drinking in the other, which is kind of like if you think of it like monks, um, you're kind of doing both. So, yeah. yeah. I've been surprised actually how how difficult it is for people to understand what a pie is until they actually come and eat one. But the best description I ever got was uh, somebody that came along and they'd already eaten. They said, wow, 
I didn't realise you guys have food. I'm definitely coming back for one of those grown-up Hot Pockets. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which they're not. But I was like, oh, that's not, that's not a bad... Mm. You know. But they're not. They're no, definitely they're not definitely not. not. Yeah. They're definitely a much more sophisticated Hot Pocket, if, <laughs> if you want to use that term. All right, well, but they've been hugely successful. Like we, we, we definitely had to reorder way quicker than we were anticipating. Excellent. Well, Emma, thank you so much. Matt, thank you so much. Yeah. We really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk to us about Astro Lab. And uh, I know that we will definitely be back here again. And uh, I hope our listeners will come and visit you guys. Yeah. Cheers, Richard. Cheers, cheers, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.